Good morning, church. Uh, that's something Trent says every week, so I'm, I wanted to make sure I said that. Um, I'm Doug Howell, and this is Lauren Taylor Morgan. And uh, the, in the first service, I said the girl that was so pretty, she has two middle names, but I changed, I'm going to change it up a little bit. She's the girl that's so awesome that she has two middle names. So, what are you doing? You're, you're getting it out of order. Okay, all right, so while she's doing that... So why do I, why do we love this church? And, and before we get started, a couple of matters of housekeeping. Uh, one is I'm going to say I, and uh, my wife was here in the first service. So whenever I say I, what I really mean is we or us. But I always get in trouble when I, when I do the talking for her. So she's not here now, so I'm just going to say I and let it roll. Uh, the second thing is, is I, when I talk, I use a lot of sports analogies. So I figure I'm in Texas. I'm probably in good hands and in a, in a safe environment where I can use sports analogies and people will understand it. If you don't understand sports analogies, you're not going to understand anything about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so to kind of get to why I, we love this church, a little bit of a history lesson. Um, my wife and I lived in Silicon Valley for about 20 years. And uh, we both had tech jobs. We were both working about 80 hours a week. Uh, always on the go, and uh, why that's significant is for that whole time that we lived there, I heard a voice in my head that was saying, I don't want you here. There is some place that I want you to be, and I need you to go there, and that whole time, I just kept turning the volume down. I just kept hitting the mute button and didn't listen because I was just too busy, and that continued on for a number of years until uh, about 2000, early in, in 2013, and in 2013, everything changed. So Deb, our longtime friend and real estate agent, told, that, told us that it, this was a great time to put our house on the market. So we did, and we did thing in about three weeks, was, which was amazingly fast. We had our home staged, had pictures taken, and we had it ready for open house. And so normally you don't sell uh, your house on an open house, especially the first one. But the first couple that walked into our house absolutely fell in love with it and said that they were going to make an offer. Well, that offer turned out to be substantially over asking and the next challenge was getting my mom to Austin. Now, she's not a fan of pickups, big hair, country or western music, <laughs> or anything that crawls, slithers, or flies. So basically every stereotype Texas has to offer. So we came, um, we flew in Thursday night, and then we, um, uh, we came to the Hill Country on Friday. We saw some houses that we liked on Friday. Friday and Saturday in Rough Hollow. And then on Sunday, we wrote an offer, and we ended up moving in about 60 days. So the point of all that is not that God is an awesome real estate agent. Because he is, but that's not, that's not the point of all that. The point is, is for all of that to happen, a thousand moving parts had to fall into place exactly in the right order for us to get here. And, and the point is that God bulldozed away for us to get here. 
So we got here. We got here Memorial Day of last year. And uh, so I was here, we've been here for a couple of days, and I was uh, hanging out with my next-door neighbor, Mr. Buck McKinney, and, uh, and, and family. And I was like, so in a very hushed tone, so what's going on with the churches around here? And the reason it was a hushed tone is because in California, God is not as big in California as God is in Texas. Um, so in, we don't talk about God in polite company there. And uh, I truly believe uh, that in California, people would rather have a serial killer live next to them than a Christian. At least that's the way that it seemed to us. So I'm like, so Buck, what's the story with churches around here? You got any, anything good? And... Uh, he was like, well, as a matter of fact, yeah, I, I go to this church. It's awesome, and you should go because you're really going to enjoy it. So we, uh, we, we came to the first service, or we came to the service. Um, it was, the, I remember the first service. It was the inaugural uh, sermon on the 12th. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that sermon in a second. But ever since that first Sunday, I've been watching you guys. And what I wanted to see was, what kind of congregation is this? I've been to tons of churches in my life, coast to coast. I live in Canada for a while. I've been to churches at Westminster, or to services at Westminster Abbey. Um, and what I sort of found was congregations seem to come in two different flavors. One flavor is the oughta, you need to, you can't do this, don't do that, because if you do, or else. And then the other flavor of congregation is the congregation always seemed to be more worried about the color of the carpet or what we're going to paint the church or the flowers outside. And so it's like, which congregation is this going to be? And uh, what I found within that first service is y'all are completely different. You all had a mission. Here's the other thing that was really interesting is this church had a mission statement. I was like, church with a mission statement? That's crazy. I'm going to read the mission statement because I don't want to screw it up. Imperfect people experience the perfect love of God, are transformed, and change the world together. I was like, all right, I am down with that. I want to be a part of this church. Back to the sermon. <laughs> Guiltily, I remember that sermon too because... Uh, the, the, the person that was going to speak got up, and I was like, this is pretty interesting. The pastor is going to let his high school-aged daughter speak. <laughs> and, bam, right? Uh, so within about 120 seconds, I realized, I was, I was stupefied. I said, this is no high schooler. This, this gal is the real deal. She brought the heat. And it was fantastic. And just like every other person that I've seen up here speak, whether it's Pastor Greg, whether it's Trent, whether it's Jay, Jeannie, it's, that is unique. So, uh, so that's, the, uh, that's the 11 o'clock change up. So, so I knew right away that, that I wanted to get involved in a church, but I didn't really know how. And it almost seemed like uh, God heard my going, what am I going to do next? And so Pastor Greg came to me and said, you know, I want you to, to maybe consider coming back and helping run sound. And I was like, oh, that's great. Another task that I'm uniquely not qualified to do, I'm in. So, 
what that means is that uh, for most of the time that we've been in Texas, for most Sundays, I am back, uh, back there, and I get to watch two services. And what always happens in, in one of those two services, or sometimes both of them, two things usually happen. One is that uh, something touches me very deeply in a way that makes me tear up, makes uh, uh, you know, tears appear in my eyes. And, all right, so it's not big soap opera tears. It's not medium-sized tears of I just hit my thumb with a hammer or Texas got beat by the Aggies and the Sooners in the same year. But they're, they're very small, man-sized, respectable tears that are immediately swept away so no one sees, but it's, it's usually, sometimes it's something in the sermon, but a lot of times it's the music. Because I gotta tell you guys, I have never listened to Christian music until I got here, and uh, my iPod is, com- is completely full of Christian music. The difference is, the, the versions that these guys do, in my opinion, are better than the original artists. So uh, that's, that's a testament to, to those guys. Here's the other thing that happens, is um, I, I travel almost constantly, which means that I have tons of quality, uh, semi-circular window time as I fly in an airplane, and I, and I watch, I spend a lot of hours watching millions of God's people pass below the plane. And what it allows me to do is, it gives me a lot of time to think. And so what I spend a lot of that time doing is thinking about all the things that have been done to me or all the things that I have done to other people, and it always brings up the question of why? Why all of this? You know, what is the plan? And so a lot of times I'll come here on Sunday with a question, and it's maybe it's a big question, maybe it's not, but what always happens is in some way a message is delivered to me of you had a question, there's your answer. It's either in the music or the sermon or something. But I leave here going, my question has been solved, the mystery has been solved, and then I can go into the week and come up with the next question to come back. Um, So now down to, here's the payoff. Why do I love this church? A couple of things. One is, I'm really proud of you all. I'm really proud to be a member of this church, and here's the big reason why. We all bump into people out in the world that are atheists, they're agnostics, they're mad at God, they hate God, or they just prefer to do other things on Sunday morning, and they've been doing that for 20 years. And so what I found myself doing is, well, you should come to my church because it's awesome, and I, here's why. I know that if I bring that person here, you are going to welcome them with open arms. You're going to make them feel like one of us. You're not going to preach at them. You're not going to preach to them. You're just going to make them feel welcome, and what they're going to do is they're going to walk out of here, and they're going to say, I want to go back next week because I want to see what this church is really about. Um, here's the second thing. This church is a church of doers, not talkers, doers. If anything needs to get done, it just gets done. You guys band together, and there's, there's probably not much committee about it. It's just like, right, well, this needs to be done, and we're just going to do it. The third thing is this is a generous church. I have been to so many churches in my life where the congregation sees somebody in need, and basically it's an attitude of, 
Somebody should help them. That person needs help. It would be great if somebody helps them. We help people in need. The fourth thing is, uh, this is a church that's not satisfied with what we did last year, what we did last quarter, what we did last month. I've seen so many organizations of people that become successful, and then they become content, and they are fine to rest on the successes that we've had so far, and let's just coast for a while. That is not this church. This church is all about the next challenge, and uh, that's unique. Why do I love this church? 50 years of perpetual motion, and finally, I feel like I'm home. God has pulled me through all of my messes, all of my mistakes, all of my disappointments. God has given me blessings as stepping stones, blessings of an awesome family, awesome friends, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like God has put me here. God has put me right here, right now, in the Republic of Texas, at this church, to make a difference. To make small differences every day, or big differences over time, but to make a difference. So, in the final assessment, why do I love this church? Because it's impossible not to love this church. Amen. Elizabeth's looking at me like, oh my gosh, I have to follow that. Elizabeth, are you ready? Welcome, Elizabeth Kern and y'all. Thank you. So, yeah, I have to follow that, but um, I don't mind because this church the, is a church that does not judge people or put labels on people, and I am so grateful that I have found this place. Um, so let me get back to what I wrote down. Um, Bee Creek United Methodist Church is an extraordinary place, and I felt that the first time I came here. I remember I was so afraid walking into those doors, wondering would I be accepted? How will the people here treat me and my daughter? And when I left that day, I was filled with so much joy, believing and knowing that God has not given up on me since he led me here to be Creek United Methodist Church through the actions of a member of this congregation. And I have been blown away ever since. And I, I, I don't have the words. That's not my strong point. So when Laura asked me to come speak here today, I, my immediate reaction was no. But the, the mission statement, this is a doer church. And if someone asks, you're going to say yes. So I'm up here <laughs> sharing my story. And, um, and what also I would like to say is just... Over the past few months, I've seen this church accomplish so many wonderful things. And I think one of the reasons why you're able to do so is that you don't put labels on people. 
They don't exist. And what I mean by that is that the people who need help aren't stigmatized as being less than anybody. And that's pretty amazing. This congregation realizes that we are all imperfect people, but that does not separate us from receiving God's grace. And that, to me, is extraordinary. And that has not been my norm until I came here. Um, I lost my place, but I haven't because I'm home. And I finally found my church home. And I just want to thank everyone here at Bee Creek United Methodist Church and all of the work you've done to make this place what it is today because I finally feel I'm home, and it's a wonderful feeling, and thank you. All right, here comes trouble. It's the Hicks family. <laughs> Come on up, Hicks family. Share your story. <laughs> Who gets this first? Apparently, I didn't you do my do? nose fast enough. Okay. So, it's me. Good morning. I'm Annette Hicks. This is Kristen, my youngest. This is Haley, our middle. And this is my husband, Shad. <laughs> my only son. <laughs> so, um, just like you, Laura asked if we would speak, and I have trouble saying no. <laughs> I've been a little nervous about it ever since. Um, so, we started coming to this church in um, December, I think. And we've been very, very blessed since then. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more of my story um, a little before that. And I'm a crier. I have Kleenex, but just to warn y'all, <laughs> it's going to happen. If I'm, you know, I've been praying not to, but God doesn't take that away from me. So, <laughs> so in, uh, in 2010, you know, four years ago, we were in a car accident. Our truck rolled, and I got ejected pretty much. Thankfully, she was no very okay. Bones, nothing. We, uh, but it kind of was something that we said, "Oh wow, you know, we could have could have lost my child. I'm a nurse. If you get ejected, you're you're usually very badly hurt, if not dead." So that was kind of the thing that made me wake up. It made me realize that the life that I'd been living was lacking real substance. I think so many people's lives do. And it started me on a journey. Sorry, I can't get my whole head set. I got it. Of discovering how to live life more fully because I was like, you know, this is my only life. And, and you know, I was raised in church but had never really grasped hold. I have some very strong Christian family, family members, but I had never really grasped that. We'd tried and we just never had. But... After that, I, was, I, was, I realized that, that, that I needed to really live this life, not what I'd been doing because I wasn't really living this life. I wanted to live it more deeply, and I wanted to be more real. I'm done with the surface stuff. I was never good at that anyways. I don't want to worry about what everybody else is worried about, which is 
my shirt being wrinkled <laughs> or uh, my hair not looking good or that we may not have as much money as you do or as much fun as you seem to have. I'm, I'm, I'm finished with all that surface stuff. So Shad um, and I, Shad had started going to see a counselor and her name was Sonia. I had not any interest in going to see Sonia, but somehow I ended up there. <laughs> and I kind of think that I accidentally started seeking God again through Sonia. She, uh, she was an amazing counselor. We were in Longview, Texas. And she had an amazing faith. And through God, she began to help me understand things that I had run away from for a long time. She helped me understand myself and my pain and the lack of trust that I developed. I was sexually abused as a child and I had never trusted anybody again. I didn't realize that. So with Sonia's help, I kind of caught a glimpse of who God intended me to be. It wasn't who I had been. And I started growing, and it's painful, let me tell y'all. And then we moved here. And we moved to the Cypress Hills, and we saw the sign for the church. And I think I'm, I don't remember if the girls came with me the first time or not. Um, but we came. Shad wasn't even, I don't think he was even interested in coming at the time. And, and this church touched me. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we miss this church when we don't come. This church is, is our church. And our family is growing through this church and becoming stronger. I know I can come, and it doesn't matter what clothes I have on. It doesn't matter who I am. This church welcomes me. I'm damaged, and I'm imperfect. And I have found a church that embraces me in spite of that, or maybe because of that. An imperfect church for an imperfect person. Thank you. Now, we all have stories, so we're passing around. <laughs> okay. Okay, we got so, the, so uh, unlike my mom, we didn't grow up in a church-going family. I remember going to church whenever I was little, but I only remember being in the nursery, so I was really little. And so, <laughs> and so whenever we had our car wreck, I woke up in the car by myself, didn't know what had happened. No one was around me. And I just remember praying to God, please let everyone be okay. I don't know where everyone is. And it took, I don't know how long, before someone came into the car and I saw my dad. And he said everyone was alive. And I remember thinking to myself, I need God in my life because he just saved my family. Whenever I went back to school, I would show my friends the pictures of the truck. And they're like, you all should have died. I don't know how on earth he survived. And so I realized then that God allowed us to survive. So I started talking to my mom and dad about going to church more. I went to church with my friends a couple times. And it just felt like 
nothing fit. I felt like an outsider whenever I would go with my friends stuff because they knew everyone and I was just sitting there by myself. And whenever we moved here, we tried a couple of churches still and we just didn't find a place that felt like we could come here easily without anyone judging us. And then my mom told me that she wanted to come try this church. And I was like, all right, I'll come with you because I wanted God in my life. I just didn't know how to let him in. And from the minute the band started playing, I was like, I want to go to this church for the rest of my life, which hopefully would happen, but probably won't because I'm about to graduate. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to stay at this church. This church is accepting of us and everyone is very loving and I feel like I can go up to any single person in this room and go talk to them about anything be like oh hi nice to meet you how's your day without anyone being like oh I don't want to talk to you right now you're a teenager (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm able now to go to school and express to my friends my love of God and whenever my friend is having a difficult time, I tell them, you should come to church with me sometimes, and they don't, they, like, sometimes don't come, but, like, I know that if I brought them here, they would feel welcome and easily accepted, and they would feel like that they had a place that they could call home also. I guess it's my turn. I knew this was coming, but, okay. Um... Like my mom said, when in about 2010, we were in a car wreck, and I got ejected. I didn't have any broken bones, no concussion, just scrapes, glass, and that's it. We had no idea how that happened. I had no idea how I got out of the car. I woke up. I was on the ground in the street, the truck in front of me, and I I didn't know what to think. I was probably in shock at the moment, but I was just like, where's my family? I didn't really comprehend that they could be gone or that if they were okay or anything. So um, after that, we started getting more close as a family, you could say, like really close. We started talking to each other more and everything more, and we were just a family. And then my sister moved down here, my oldest sister, Michael. And my mom, we went to go visit her all the time. And my mom, I don't know what happened, but we went to this waterfall place or whatever. And my mom's like, I really want to move here. And my dad's like, you know what? We can. We get to the trailer. My mom's already looking up houses in this area so we can move here. (laughs) And we actually ended up moving that summer. And so when we got here, we were going to live in our trailer for a while. Our trailer burns down while we're driving to the place that we were going to stay. So then we had to stay in a cabin at the RV park, and then we moved to the Galleria. No, we moved to our oldest sister boyfriend's apartment, and then we moved to the Galleria apartments, and then we finally found a house, and yeah. And so then, like my mom said, we moved... We were driving, and we saw the, like, little sign for the church, and so we have tried, I don't know, how m- a couple, not very many. How many? We just found one other one. Yeah, we go on, like, to one other one yeah. here and stuff like that. And, but there, you could, like, I mean, like, even the people for the children, they were so, like, judgmental. 
Like, you could, like, feel the hostility against us. It's like, really? We're kids. What did we do wrong? And so then we come here, and, like, you guys are like, hi, and hi. I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of scared now. Is this what it's supposed to be like? And then we get to know you, and Mia's here. I knew Mia from school, and then we meet Jordan and Lily and Pastor Laura and all of you guys, and we just feel so different. First time we came here, or at least me and Haley, your dad came here. Um, I remember we walking down, and me and my sister just takes like a big breath, and we're like, is this supposed to feel like this after church? I mean, like, I feel so clean and just wonderful and like joyous. And I remember the mornings for the other church we went to, my parents just like, had to like drag me out of bed to try to get me to go to the church. I did not want to go. Here, I'm actually up and ready to go. I miss it when I do not come to this church. This church is so welcoming, and they don't judge anything. And that's one of the things that we love about you guys, is that you guys are seriously a huge family that like nobody could ever describe. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not good at this, so I tried to write some stuff down, and then I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing, so I won't go over all of it, but just to help me kind of stay on task. Well, see, I can't even find <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so unlike Annette, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. When I was 12... Um, I was with some friends. My, my first introduction to, to really to Christianity was I was playing in the yard with, with some friends. Uh, two guys jumped out of a car, said, hey, God gave me this car. Isn't it great? Uh, there's a mansion in, the, you know, in, in heaven. You can go there when you die. Here, physically made us kneel and say, okay, if you don't say this prayer, you're going to go to hell. I was 12. So needless to say, I didn't have much to do with, with religion and, and Christianity. Don't trust it for the most part. Always believed in God. Never really had much of a relationship with God. Um, so met Annette, got married. Been <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> it's, been, it's been really uh, really great. Um, so we got married in, in, in 94, and I had a friend, a pastor friend that I used to play racquetball with, um, and uh, he married us. Great, wonderful. We got married, uh, you know, uh, Christian marriage, all that good stuff, but I didn't really know what that, what that meant for the most part. Um, about a year after, after we got married, I uh, started a new job. And I met a, a man. His name was uh, John O'Sullivan. He was uh, he was one of my. Uh, Bosses, um, great, great guy. 
um, very, uh, very Christian man, uh, his wife and family. Um, oh, I don't, I don't need that. Okay. <laughs> um, well, anyway, shortly after I met him, he got uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, and uh, he fought it for a couple years. Um, but, but through that, just kind of watching the way he worked, the way he lived, um, it started getting me to start questioning. And, you know, I remember asking him, you know, how are you doing this? And, and he, you know, proceeded to, uh, um, you know, let me know a little bit about Christ and God and, and how it's worked in his life and, and, and things like that. So as he got sicker and sicker, we would talk more and more. And during the whole, during his whole ordeal, he was never mad, never bitter, um, always praised, praised God, how wonderful he was. You know, he, you know, he said he'd miss his, you know, his wife and kids, but that he, you know, he was going to go home, essentially. Um, so, so just in those few years, the way he lived and the way he died really, really moved me. Um, I started, uh, after he passed away, I continued to, to visit with his wife a little bit, and she, uh, um, you know, kind of helped me grow a little bit in the Lord, and the Easter after his death, I decided to get baptized. So, got baptized, was feeling really good about, about everything, ready for my journey, started, started going to church, but it just it just didn't didn't feel right. Um, I don't have a lot of experiences with churches. Most churches that I've experienced, for the most part, there's a lot of politics involved, a lot of infighting, um, people not practicing what they're preaching or even attempting to practice what they preach. And you know, I'd get really disillusioned and and I'd be done. Um, and that that went on till. Um, until I actually I met Sonia. Um, two, 2010, like they said, I had that car wreck. You'd think that would be my aha moment. Okay, Lord, I, you're wonderful and great, and I'm ready again, but it, it really wasn't for me. Um, I was thankful that we're alive and, and gave thanks that, we're, that we survived, that my, my daughter was okay, that we're all fine. But you know, that was it. I was still kind of, my head was stuck in the sand and, you know, kind of oblivious, probably on purpose. Because, you know, as soon as you open your eyes, you know, life's, life's a lot harder. It's, it's not, uh, it's a lot easier to, to live life when you're oblivious, you know, to everything around you. When your eyes are open, um, you try to start self-analyzing and, and really seeing what's going on. It's not easy. It's a better life, but it's definitely not an easier life. Um, met Sonia. I started going to going to her for uh, actually to find out why I use food as a, as comfort. You know, was the main reason. If any of you ever been in uh, in uh, therapy, um, you know, once you walk through those doors, you never know what other doors are going to be opened. Um, so we never really got to that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> all these other little doors started opening um 
you know, first time I met Sonia, you know, she, she informed me, you know, that, uh, that uh, she, her, her type of therapy was Christian-based, faith-based. I wasn't quite sure. I wanted to run and, and walk out right then. I did, and I stayed, and, and uh, it was probably the best thing, you know, I ever did. Uh, she started introducing me to a lot of uh, different authors, Christian authors, started giving me reading material. And that's really whenever I started a question again, kind of my reawakening. Um, and that started to go. Um, so we're both, you know, trying to um, improve spiritually and, and you know, um, what's the word? Yeah, in our relationship, that's good. <laughs> um, but that's even hard too, um, you know. You as because we're we're not the same as we were four years ago, two years ago. We're we're a lot different, and and the hardest part then is you know we're both growing, but you know how do you grow together? Well, I think one of the best ways to do that is put the trust in in God. Um, you know, we have that one thing really in common that kind of is kind of the glue. It's not always easy. We're always, you know, struggling. But that, that's really whenever I started really questioning and really uh, praying a lot more. Um, a lot of internal battles going on. Um, but uh, through prayer, kind of, it's, it's gotten me through there. Um, then we moved here and like, uh, well, before we left, Sonia really was pushing for us to find a church home. Again, very resistant to organized religion for the most part. Um, I'm having more of a personal relationship with God. Why do I need a church? Well, Sonia said, you know, you really need to find a church. And I said, okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> so, so we move here. Um, Annette wanted to start going to church, so we tried one of the local ch churches in Bee Cave when we were living in Bee Cave. But like m my girl said, it really didn't fit. Um, it was a great big production. Music was great. It's like going to a rock show. But, uh, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, I don't think, what we were looking for. Um, Annette was having to drag me out of bed, too, to go to church, not just the girls. <laughs> it's so... So we moved out here to Bee Cave, and I, I think I was out of t town whenever you came to visit, because I wasn't, I wasn't here, but she told me she went, and I said, oh, okay, good, great. She goes, I really want you to go. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but finally she convinced me, and, and the first day I walked in, I was pretty comfortable. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the music, like, you know, the music's great. It's very uplifting. The message is always, you know, every time I come in here with whatever problem I have, it always seems like you're talking to me. You know, like whatever sermon you have that day, that's pretty much what I needed to hear. And you don't normally find that. Met some wonderful people. I got to go to Guatemala this year with the men's group. It was a, a wonderful experience. I think I got more out of it than, than I put into it. My girls got to go to San Antonio on a mission trip, um, start, start, you know, doing some acts of service. They were, they loved it. Um, you know, you, like, like a lot of other people said, you, you guys practice what you preach. And that is very refreshing. 
um, especially for a cynic like me. Um, it's, it's nice to, nice to be a part of. Um, and so now instead of, you know, and having to drag me out of bed, you know, we're really, we're, we want to come. When we miss church, we, we hate it. When we're out of town, we're trying to figure out how we can get back in time to make, you know, the church service. Um, those are all, you know, foreign and, and different to me. So I just want to say thank you for accepting us into, into your family. Um, and, uh, uh, you know the missions. The mission statement's great. Um, I I think I I wrote down in my book. You know, ordinary people performing extraordinary, you know, things in our community and 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 around around the country. And uh, you guys really are. You guys are very very wonderful, ex- extraordinary people. It's a great church. And thank you so much. Well, here come the kids, okay? We're going to take communion together as a family. We remember that the reason that we are welcomed and we feel welcomed in this family is because Jesus Christ made a way for us to be part of the family of God. And so when we get to share that with other people, we get excited. And communion is one of those times when we remember that great story that God is writing. We get to put our story in to be a part of that. Um, so we remember on that night that he gave himself up for us. I don't think we should... I think we got it. The kids are already here, right? We don't have to sing, right? We're okay? Okay, okay. They're like, okay, we're ready. I'm, I'm calling an audible. It's an audible, okay? We'll, just, we'll sing at the end. Don't worry. Um, but kids, if y'all want to come in and take part, you're part of our family. So come find your parents so that you can take communion together too. Um, so we remember that on that night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread he broke it and he thanked God for it. And he gave it to everyone and he said, eat this, all of you. This is my body, which is broken for you. And whenever you eat it, remember me. And what I'd say to us today is the reminder that Jesus was broken so that we can be whole. And when that little piece of broken bread enters your body, you have to remember that is the power of God at work to transform your life, right? To forgive you, to make it right. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, and he lifted it high, and he thanked God for it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit over us gathered here. Over these gifts of bread and wine, help us to remember the way that you have made for us to come home. Help us to be cleansed from within. And help us, Lord, to continually have the courage, the strength, and the faith to take your hand as we change this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.